0: Smart goals aren't always smart. I know, they've had us fooled for a while, but today we are breaking down when to build a smart goal and when not to. What are the situations and settings where a smart goal can serve you? And what are some other better options for instances where maybe it's not the best choice? Welcome to the Fit Feed, Buy, Read podcast, my friends. Episode number three here, and we're talking all about goal setting. This is so integral to the health and fitness space that we simply can't not talk about it. It's a necessity, so let's dive in. You are listening to the health and fitness podcast for the female millennial. Step off the roller coaster of yo-yo diet and fitness trends with sustainable solutions to make positive habit change. Learn to stress less, eat smart, and move more with me, Coach Reed, and the fit-for-life-minded guests I bring onto the show. We'll tackle one diet myth at a time, give you tactical ways to make change in your life, and deliver it all with a lighthearted quirk that you just can't stop listening to. As I like to say, it's an educational audio treat better said, like a lollipop for your ears. Let's dive in. Hey, today we are talking about goal setting. Ah, yes, the topic of goal setting. Specifically, we're talking about smart goals and why sometimes they aren't always smart. Hmm. Funny how that works. Yes. Dare I say it, I actually am in a bit of a love-hate relationship with smart goals. (gasps) Because there's some settings where they really do the job well and there's other situations where they just don't. So today we're going to be breaking down, number one, what in the world is a SMART goal? For any of you guys who are like scratching your heads, this is a framework for goal setting. We're going to be talking about a bit of the history behind it and most importantly, when to use the SMART goal framework and when not to use the SMART goal framework. And in those instances, what's a better way to approach goal setting? Goal setting is something that is so deeply tied to health for many people because, you know, and I think it's fair to say that with anything, there is a level of goal setting. Sometimes this depends on personality type, but for most people, they want to create some structure around what they're trying to achieve. So the SMART goal is simply an acronym to accomplish just that. Let's talk about what it stands for. For any of you guys who are scratching your head thinking, uh, what is this? So it's an acronym. The S in SMART stands for specific. The M stands for measurable. A, attainable, R, realistic, and T is time-bound. So the goal is that if you are to set a goal with those five specific parameters defined, you are that much more likely to actually achieve it. A good way to think about this, I hear from a lot of people, "Read, I want to get healthy, to which I usually reply, what does health look like to you? It's a fairly subjective thing. Now, yes, there are objective measures of health if we're to think about getting a blood panel done at the doctor, measuring your cholesterol levels, your LDL, your HDL, yeah, there's measures, right? You could look at your body fat percentage, your BMI, whatever, and some of those measures are far better than others at measuring health, right? Example being, BMI is, in my personal opinion, Literally only good for population statistics, not for individuals. So, thinking about all those various measures that are somewhat objective in terms of health, but for most people, generally speaking, health is pretty subjective. It is how someone wants to feel. It's what they want their body to be capable of doing. It's what they want to be able to accomplish, or achieve, or do, or experience in their free time. It could be anything from hey, I want to be able to deadlift three hundred pounds, to I want to be able to keep up with my three-year-old. Or I want to be able to run three miles or I want to be able to go play three games of tennis on a Saturday afternoon and not feel completely cashed of energy. There's a lot of different ways to define that. So the beauty of this system is it does create a level of need to specify and define what you're trying to achieve and and how you're going to go about it. So let's get into history a little bit because, you know, interesting, fascinating stuff. The origin of SMART goals. This is a construct that is very common in not just the coaching space, it actually originated in the business realm. So the origin of smarkles, according to this good old machine called the Google machine, as I like to say, smart goals were developed by George Doran, Arthur Miller and James Cunningham. In 1981, they published an article called There's a Smart Way to Rate Management Goals and Objectives. And so apparently this man, George D. Turian, was a consultant and he was a former high-level executive for a for the Washington Water Power Company. Hmm, interesting. And so they wrote this article and they defined this concept of a SMART goal. In a business setting, this is a really phenomenal thing. Now, I would dare to say that even some of the concepts we talk about from a personal health perspective could apply uh, in a business setting in terms of like the cracks in Mr. Perfect, shall we say, when it comes to the SMART goal. But... That is the origin of it. It's been around for, I guess at this point, four decades. And it's it's definitely a, a topic of conversation, shall we say. I cannot tell you how many different uh, certification programs I've gone through that have mentioned something about the concept of working through SMART goals with your clients. And I get the construct, I really do, but as I mentioned, I have a bit of a love-hate relationship with it. So let's start with the intriguing side of things. Why would we not set a SMART goal? Some of this comes down to my approach to coaching and the fact that I really, really focus on creating sustainable change with clients. And there's an interesting, you know, it's interesting to think through the concept of setting goals when knowing you're trying to do something basically for the rest of your time on this earth. Because in theory, you know, if we're to think about that last element, the T of a smart goal, time bound, well, what do you put down? Like, for the rest of my life? Like, what's the time bound there Uh, for the next five decades? You know, so there's a there's a bit of a crack there. Oftentimes when we when we create really, really specific goals like you would with a SMART goal, with that that sort of exercise, it tends to pull you into more of a short term mentality. Like, hey, I'm trying to achieve something in a specific time frame. And then there's no conversation past that. Right. So one thing that's worth bringing up here within this is. I like to think about setting goals beyond the SMART goal construct in two different categories. I like to think about outcome-focused goals and habit-focused goals. So an outcome-focused goal would be something along the lines of, I wanna run a 10K in 12 re- weeks from now, averaging a 10-minute mile pace. That'd be a specific outcome. It doesn't say anything about how you're gonna get there. A habit-focused goal would be saying, I am gonna run three days per week for the next 12 weeks, I'm sticking to my coach's running plan, in preparation for my upcoming 10k that's happening on xyz date 12 weeks from now right that is saying i'm going to commit to a specific habit and what happens with the outcome happens with the outcome so it's focusing more on the process versus just the finish line i tend to do a lot more pretty much almost only habit focused goal setting with clients now if i was working with athletes which i don't i might be setting more outcome focused goals right an athlete has outcome-focused goals because they're specifically trying to, you know, achieve something in a certain time frame. They're trying to achieve a certain number of goals or whatever it is. And when I say goals, I mean like goals on a field or whatever it may be. (laughs) And so there might be more of a lean toward that. SMART goals are great for outcome-focused goals. They're not as great for habit-focused goals. Now, the construct can work, but it doesn't perfectly fit. It's not quite like a lock and key model. The SMART goal concept tends to lean into more of that black and white thinking, kind of the fail-succeed mindset. So if I have an outcome-focused goal, example, I want to run a 10K in 12 weeks from now, averaging a 10-minute mile pace. If I don't achieve that goal, I've failed for lack of better terminology, right? Let's say I'm at a place where I'm currently running 11 Minute miles when I run a 10K. So, this would be assuming that I have a training plan in order to get me to a 10 minute mile pace for my 10K, right? If I was to run my 10K and I was to average a 10 minute and 15 second mile, that's still a win. But the challenge being the structure would kind of tell us, hey, you failed to succeed at what your outcome was, what your planned outcome. That 10 minute mile, you didn't achieve it. So, it doesn't leave as much room for recognizing progress. That's the piece that challenges me with SMART goals. I like to to lean clients more in the direction of what I would refer to as taking a gray space approach. Wow. Now, what is the gray space? The gray space is hard because it's, well, not as clearly defined. But for each individual, part of the beauty of learning and growing and habit change, working with a coach, trying things, setting goals, working towards uh, new things in your life is that you learn more about yourself and nobody can ever take that information away from you, right? Nor can a book tell you exactly what you need. Now, we can give generalities we can know based on research. And that's why, you know, we're here recording a podcast about health and fitness is to guide and direct your footsteps. But ultimately, you know the best about what works and doesn't work for your body. You know your body. No one else can feel or know what it feels like to be in your own flesh suit, as I like to say. So the grace-based approach is saying, hey, we're going to fall somewhere within the black and the white. Now, that's a wide range. So building routines that don't have absolutes. I talk about the concept a lot of something is better than nothing. Right? If I've completely fallen off the bandwagon of exercise for say three months and I'm not doing anything, me doing 10 push-ups before I go to bed each night is definitely better than doing no push-ups. Now, doesn't mean I went to the gym and crushed it for 45 minutes, but it's better than nothing, right? And so I always encourage clients, especially when you're kind of in the beginning or, or trying to make change in a in a direction with something that you have not been able to make change with for a while is start taking those tiny little steps. Doesn't need to be huge. And creating room for flexibility is also important. You guys know that I am super pumped about using this podcast as an opportunity to share some upcoming research, recent research that's been happening within the health and wellness space. This is fun for me as a coach. I hope it's valuable for you guys. So this is an interesting article, or shall I say research paper that was recently published in, in 2021, I believe. Um, Maybe it was twenty twenty. Either way, doesn't matter. It's recent research. So I actually found out about this research uh, through a podcast that I listened to. There's a gal named Katie Milkman who was a guest on a podcast, and she does a lot of habit-based research. And she uh, partnered with some other researchers, did an interesting study on creating exercise habits using incentives, analyzing the trade-off between flexibility and routinization, So essentially, they went to a group of Google employees. It was about 2,500 individuals at the, you know, that ended up actually participating in the study. And the time window was just shy of a month. Back in March of 2015, they did a study to essentially assess, do people stick with routine from an exercise perspective specifically better if there's more flexibility or more routinization? Now, the initial assumption per research and per kind of the conversation in the space would be that there was would likely be more adherence with routinization now I won't break all the all the juicy details to you quite yet let me finish describing the study and then I'll tell you what happened so they split people into two different groups they said hey both of them were incentivized to go use the uh, the corporate gym right so they were paid a certain amount of money every time they walked into the gym so that was kind of like another tier of the study and they said hey there was one group that but had to pick a specific time window they were going to attend or show up at the gym for. That was the only way that they would get paid. So for example, they got to choose their their time window. They got to say, hey, you know, between six and 8 a.m., I'm going to go to the gym. And that's when I have the opportunity to get that incentivization. If I'm to go to the gym at any other time, I don't get that incentivization, right? It doesn't like count toward my total, shall we say. The other group was told you can go to the gym at at any time of the day. Doesn't matter when. Doesn't matter if it's morning, it's afternoon, it's evening. You can go whenever you have the opportunity to be incentivized. And the interesting thing was at the end of the study, they kept track of how these people continued to adhere to showing up to the gym past the month long study and found that the group that actually created more flexibility for themselves to say, hey, I can go to the gym whenever I want during the day, they actually adhered to that habit far longer than the group that had to go between certain hours. Right? And it's that game of hey, okay, well, if I told myself I had to go to the gym at 6 a.m. and I didn't go at 6 a.m., well, throw in the towel because there's no reason for me to go later, right? Like I'm not incentivized anymore. I don't get that payout for showing up to the gym. And the reason I share this study is because it really does affirm that in many cases, especially around health habits, creating some level of flexibility is key. It's almost the game of how do I build out structure with a dose of flexibility? Uh, that really fits for my life and my schedule, right? So I thought that was fascinating. Definitely leans into that grace-based concept. Now on the flip side of things, let's talk about when you should make a SMART goal. I know I've already alluded to some of this because there is validity to this construct. I do think that there is some, there are instances or reasons to use this approach, uh, but it's for certain, certain situations. So I'd say definitely for short-term goals. If you know that you're training for a specific race, if you know that you are going to be competing in something, right? There's some, there's some level of, of temporary time frame to it in addition to it being an outcome-focused goal. That's kind of like the sweet, the sweet pairing for a SMART goal. If you're trying to achieve a race in a certain amount of time, compete in something, you want to be dieted down for a specific date but don't really care to sustain the weight loss Chuckle, 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 because I can't say I've ever heard a client tell me that. But, you know, these are instances where for many of you guys that are listening and tuning in probably doesn't necessarily apply, right? If we're thinking about somebody who is competing in a specific sport where they need to be dieted down and at a certain weight or a weight class, but they don't care to sustain that weight loss afterward. Well, yeah, this makes sense, right? This works. But once again, from a sustainable habit change perspective, usually not the best fit, Another consideration for times to set a SMART goal is when you're trying to create a new behavior that you need to build some structure around. So if you've been off the bandwagon for a healthy stretch of time with any specific thing, whether it's hydration, it's getting enough vegetables, it's getting enough sleep, it's moving your body a couple times a day, just going for a short walk, whatever it is. If you feel like you've been off the bandwagon for a really long stretch of time and you're like, I need to build some structure around this, A SMART goal can be a way to jumpstart the process. So for example, it could be saying, hey, you know, I'm going to make sure that by the end of the week, I have consumed X ounces of water, could do the math of kind of like splitting it up day by day. And I'm going to set that goal, that SMART goal. I'm going to go through the specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and time-bound components of my goal and set that goal so that I can kind of jumpstart my way into something with more structure. That is definitely a reason to use the SMART goal construct. And another thing to consider is, do you do really well with black and white thinking? This is oftentimes something that for many of us as we kind of navigate who we are as individuals and what works and serves us best, is recognizing do I lean more toward black and white thinking or do I tend to feel comfortable in the gray space? Am I okay? and Do I like having some of that flexibility? As much as we can look at research and say, hey, okay, some level of flexibility serves people. There's some of us where it doesn't serve us as much as others. That is somewhat somewhat independent uh, for each of us, individual, I should say. Consider this as well. This is another construct that's oftentimes talked about in the health and wellness space is the concept of being a moderator or an abstainer. Oftentimes, this is most discussed when it comes to food, right? And the names are are fairly self-explanatory. But uh, a SMART goal tends to work kind of well for people that tend to fall more in the abstainer category. Where it's like, hey, I need to create some hard walls around what I'm doing here. An example, if you're like, what is a moderate and abstainer? I uh, currently have a pint of ice cream in my freezer. Every night, eh every couple nights after dinner, I'm like, wow, I really want like two or three bites of ice cream. And then I just stick that thing back in there, right? It's been in there for a long time to the point that I'm like, is it going to get freezer burned? (laughs) I personally am a moderator. Now that's not right or wrong. It just is. I've been that way since from a very young age, right? But for a handful of people, for plenty of people, they say, hey, I cannot have that ice cream in the freezer. That does not serve me because I know that if I take a couple bites ooh, I'm running down a a dangerous path of potentially getting close to the bottom of the pint (laughs) and seeing, uh, you know, when when your spoon like doesn't clink the bottom, but when it hits the bottom and you're like, oh snap, it's gone, right? So if you know that you tend to fall more in the abstainer category, sometimes creating really, really clear, clear structure can help you to push through barriers and, you know, begin to kind of step more into that gray space once you're past that certain initial point. It's all about knowing yourself. All about it. So my friends, let's recap. We love a good recap. Be wary of setting a SMART goal if you're seeking sustainable habit change. If you're thinking, hey, this is something I want to hold on to for the next decade, eh, SMART goal might not be exactly what you want to set. Or maybe you want to use the structure of it, but kind of, you know, play with that last T, adjust accordingly. Consider that taking more of a habit-based approach rather than an outcome-based approach is going to serve you well, even within that SMART goal construct. And consider how can I take a grace-based approach, leaving some room for flexibility within your goal. Now, great times to set a SMART goal would be if you're seeking short-term change, you have more of an outcome-focused goal, or you want to jumpstart change around something that you've continually struggled with. That is it, my friends. I want to hear from you. Let me know. DM me on Instagram. Shoot me a message. Email me. Have you ever set a smarkle, and how did it turn out for you? Did it work really well? Was it successful or was it not? Because I can totally see both sides of this thing, but I think it's very, very valuable to talk through what are the types of settings where this is a good move and where are the points where setting a smarkle just isn't smart. Thank you for tuning into the Fit Feed by Read podcast. If this had a positive impact on you, I'd be so honored to have you share it with a fellow female millennial. Send it through text message or post it on your Instagram story, tagging me at Fit Feed by Read. I hope you guys have a stellar week ahead of building healthy habits. And don't forget, God loves you.